Welcome to another episode of ASX Market Goss. For no more than 30 minutes, we're going to dig a little deeper with ASX listed small cap companies. Their focus, the future, and the highs and lows and what's next. And a part of the conversation is to get to know our guests at a personal level. Their experiences, mentors, slips and slides, even down to their coffee of choice and life away from the share price investment making decision. But today's guest is something a little different. It's Vertical Events boss, Stuart McDonald. Of course, a conference business, sort of dilly-dally around with small and mid-cap companies, but many of those companies have developed into some serious big companies now. And to tell us about that journey and a whole lot of other things, Stewie has been kind enough to join us in the studio. Appreciate your time. Well, thanks, Goss. Thanks for having me. So this is different for us because normally we're talking about pegmatites and drilling and uh, and results and all that sort of stuff. You're a company that's at the coalface and at the face of a lot of these uh, small and mid-cap companies. Um, just in a snapshot, tell us about Vertical Events. Well, Vertical Events, as you said, is a conference company and it's, it's basically ASX stocks. We started way back in the year 2000 and then we aligned ourselves with the RIU brand. And for those that aren't familiar, RIU stands for Resource Information Unit. And back in the day, back in the 90s and early 2000s, it was the premier publishing house for mining. Yeah, magazines, books, all that sort of stuff. I can remember the days when our magazine would come out on a end of month Friday and we'd have 200 blokes standing around the block to get a copy of it because that was your only source of information. There was no internet um, and we had a couple of pages of gossip that was on it. And yeah, that was your source of, of finding out what's happening around the place. Um, but, of course, the internet put paid to that. You know, revenue slumped, so the publishing house closed down. But RIU lives on through vertical events. So we brand ourselves RIU Vertical Events, um, all under my banner now. And, yeah, so, so 20, 23 years on and we're still here. So talk about that pivot, that pivot into the tech age. A bit like me, I was a cadet journalist at the West Australian, the Daily News, and the Daily would come out and the West would come out and... And, and again, uh, shorthand was the thing. No one had yep. tape recorders. I mean, you remember all those transition yep. years, yep. I'm sure. How quickly did you have to adapt? Oh, very quickly. Because it's one thing to be able to speak to the chaps and the mining guys, and, but, but then you've got to put that in, into a form which can be useful to everyone. And it's a bit like exploration in a way. I mean, you peg your ground and you start drilling, but you don't always find your results first up. It's trial and error. You've got to have one eye on the market because when the market's poor, the investors stay away. When the market's hot, the investors flock out. Um, But our very first ROU Explorers Conference was 2002 at the Esplanade Hotel in Frio. Yeah, Frio, yeah. And we're still there. But we had little companies, tiny little companies like Independence, which is now IGO. We had Western Areas. Um, Those sorts of companies were, were Mincor. They were... Yeah, they were ten cent stocks. Um, yeah, ten fifteen years later, the multi 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 billion dollar companies. Do you think you played a significant role in their development or their launch, um, or just do you think it was oh, just a good start point for them all? I think it. We gave them a forum. Now, uh, diggers and dealers, as we all know, diggers and dealers. You know, the great diggers and dealers. Um, that was the only major forum that was around. Uh, so I took a bit of a punt as to. Well, if they're doing it, um, why can't I do it? Now, you don't want to take anything away from diggers. I mean, they are the great ones. But so we started 
over east. We started in Melbourne and then Brisbane, and it, it gradually grew. So it gave the companies an Eastern States um, forum, an Eastern States outlet to get to some of the investors. Obviously, Fremantle was, was ticking along nicely. We had one in the oil and gas space as well. But yeah, I think I, I think we've played a, a small role. But I, yeah, I wouldn't want to overstate it, but I think we've played a small role in allowing them to face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, see people that they wouldn't normally see. So for the listeners who are listening to this uh, podcast and this chat now, when you talk about um, an event, a conference where the businesses come together, and we're not just talking about resources, we are talking about tech and biotech as well, what does the conference set out to achieve? It sets out to achieve interaction, personal interaction, because whether you're a fund or a broker or a retail investor who comes along to the show with his $20,000 to spend, they want to look the MD of the company in the eye. They want to see him. They want to see his body language. They want to see how he, how he performs on stage. And they make their investment mind up not just on, on the quality of the projects but on the quality of the company per se. And a lot of that's got to do with people. If they see some nuffy on the stage who, who's umming and ahhing and doesn't quite know his stuff, they're not going to invest their 20 grand into him. You know, if they see someone who's strong, confident, understands what he's talking about, gives them the feeling that he's going somewhere, you know, they'll have a punt. Have you seen those, for the want of a better word, nuffies, where they've stumbled and started their way through in an early conference, develop the skill sets to...? Yes, they, yes, they do. Yeah? Yeah, because obviously early days there, there weren't many forums around, so you know, public speaking on a stage was something that, that people didn't do a lot of. Yeah, it's very daunting for a lot of people. Um, so over the journey, we've had some great MCs of our shows. We had the great Jerry Gannon, um, and Jerry's on his retirement year this year for us. He's doing his farewell tour. It's like a John Farnham farewell tour. Who's Jerry. he handing over to, Stuart? I'd like to know. <laughs> well, Goss. <laughs> well, we're about to do business right here, right now. I have replaced Jerry on a few things over the journey. He's, he's, he's a hand- great man. We have handed over to Christina Morrissey. Yep. To Chrissy. Yep. And she has some... Uh, some qualities going for her that perhaps you don't got. Oh, turn it up. <laughs> oh, jeepers, creepers. Well, we both washed up TV personality, so I do get that. No disrespect, Chrissy, if you're listening. Um, it is important you talk about the developing skill set of, of speaking in public because it's not easy and there's a lot of people have sat in this studio and had these chats who have been incredibly nervous to start with, but then they get a vibe for it and they start to feel comfortable and then they take over. Yeah. Are you seeing that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the object of what they do is to, it all starts at expiration. You can't find a mine until you find it. So it all starts at expiration. Um, and a lot of these guys are experienced geologists and the field guys. You know, the office domain perhaps isn't their area of expertise, but they have to fill that, that, uh, that space because your budgets are tight. You can't afford to employ five, six, seven people. Often you're only employing two, maybe three, sometimes only one. Um, so you've got to you've got to develop with the role, um, and you've got to get your brand out. So these guys are forced to be marketers because you there's seven eight hundred listed companies on the ASX in resources. Um, you've got to be able to market yourself. Stuart McDonald is our guest on the podcast today. Vertical events, conference businesses, small cap, mid cap companies, and again, not just we're talking about uh, of course resources. We're talking tech and biotech. Which of those int- interests you? Being a Kalgoorlie 
from the gold fields or a gold where you cut your, your teeth in this industry, uh, do you, are you still very much in the resource sector? Absolutely. That's my, that's my heart. I mean, to give you an example, in 2014 when the resources took a bit of a dip, uh, Dave Tasker, who we're very close to and obviously so are you, um, we got together and Dave came up with this idea of doing a tech show, techno roadshow, you know, to try and diversify away from resources because we had all our eggs in the one basket. So we, we gave it a go and I can remember sitting through the first techno roadshow and this is a roadshow where they speak twice, once in Sydney, once in Melbourne. So on the show, that, you know, it's, it's two talks. So I sat through all the talks on the first year, twice, and I still didn't know what half of them did. Um, I didn't know what their biotech or their tech, what they were trying to achieve. Um, so perhaps I have a bit to learn in that area. But but can that be an indication of sometimes those talking uh, probably getting too in-depth in what they do rather than try to convince the layman, whether yeah. it be you or me? Yeah. At the end of the day, the investor is the investor. They've got a pocket full of money and they want to invest in something. And our, our people generally aren't the sort of investor that invest in BHP or Rio or Northern Star because they want to make five baggers, ten baggers. So they invest in the higher, earlier stocks with a bit of risk. Now, the tech was high risk. It was, it was. I mean, if you remember back to 1999, 2000, the tech boom, and, and of course that ended up with a big bust. So the re-emergence of the tech in 2014, 15, 16, some of the investors were hesitant, but they soon got on board. Um, and then we started to get into the into the real tech stuff. And I, I mentioned one or two. One was a, a company that was into 3D printing. So that's a real thing. It's not an imaginary tech thing on, on the hyper, in the World Wide Web. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a physical thing. Sure. Um, and at one of our shows, that company was raising seed capital at 10 cents. Well, they raised a heap of dough. They floated. And within a week or two after the float, they were trading at three or four dollars. So yeah, the punters wow. made, you know, 20, 30 baggers on, on that. So that it goes to show that if you listen and but the tech started to get real. And the biotech's obviously very, very important. Because as we get older, Goss, guys like you and I, <laughs> we need we need you know, discoveries in, in diseases because we've got most of them. So. We have. We have nothing good. Good dose of penicillin doesn't fix. Uh, good on you, Stu. Uh, Stu, we're going to get to the company and a bit more about what makes a good presenter, so to speak, in a good conference. And and are you still learning? I know you've just got back, of course, from Singapore. You had Gold Coast yeah. as well. You talked about Frio, which is I think it's you have two thousand delegates down there and two hundred companies. Yep. How do you are, you? are you still at the Esplanade? Yep. Wow. Yeah, squeeze them in. You would squeeze me. It's a very good place. It's a very good um, event space. One of the things in the event space is that, and again, I mentioned diggers and dealers because they are the forefront. After a while of your event, you become you become a stable. You become a fable. You know, diggers was a rite of passage for a, a lot of people in the industry. You go mm. to Cavalry and you know things are a little different now than what they were you know, twenty five years ago, and. I guess Explorers Conference has made that same transition. It's it's a must-attend event, whether the market's up, whether it's down, whether it's sideways. Why is it a must-attend? Is it must-attend because you don't want to not be there as something yeah. big busts and you, you're a chance, or and you just don't want to be at the one? You don't want to not go to the one that there's a significant move. It's twofold. One is that it's a trusted brand, 
So the, the RIU is now a trusted brand. You know what you're going to get when you, before you go there. Yep. Um, obviously, in our business, especially in very, very good markets, when the market's running hot, there are new conferences every day. It's popping up. Everyone says, oh, there's too many conferences. Well, in those times, there are. But these conferences tend to think, think it's easy. They'll come in, run a show, no one turns up, companies waste their money. So they, they then don't go to those shows again. They say, oh, I'll stick with RIU because yep. I, know, I, I know what I'm going to get. It's a trusted brand and trusted event. And, yep. that, and, and, and that only comes with time. Yep. Time's the essence. Yeah. Well, that's what everyone says. I mean, you're a relationship builder. Um, is, that, uh, is that an art form that's a dying art form? Do you think, uh, whether it be just in this space or in life in general? Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. When when the internet first became popular and we had um, online investment series, and there's been lots of them, you, you, like a podcast here, um, but they were they were online online conferences basically. And that was and that was going to be the death of conferences. I was told that I, w- I wouldn't be in business in three years' time because it'll, it'll all be online and no one will go. And but people don't want to go online. People want to have shake shake your hand. They want to have a beer with you. They want to talk to you, and they like the interaction because they can they can discuss more things than you can just on a on a radio call. No doubt, um, no doubt, hundred percent right. Uh, and that, then yeah. of course along came COVID, um, and everyone thought well, that's the end of conferences. And to a large degree, yeah, maybe it was. But without getting into politics, we had Mark McGowan, and um, he closed our state, so he, others couldn't get in. But it meant ours couldn't get out, so we were allowed to run conferences because our guys couldn't get out. And at any given point on the calendar, like today, next week, last week, thirty percent of Western Australian mining executives are not in WA; they're around the world doing something on their project over east somewhere. But because they weren't allowed to go anywhere, they were here. So our shows actually increased. Um, and that helped us enormously because of that fact. Our shows over east didn't go so well. but the one So we, we managed to stay in business, but we didn't go down the online um, route. But we people stayed. can still access the events and the conferences online for the best yeah, part? Yeah, we still live stream them. Yeah. And that's, that's the important bit. That, that Does that damage numbers or you not, no. do you not worry about that? No, we don't worry about that. Yeah. Because what happens is you can't please everybody. We, we understand and learn there's only a certain amount of people that are going to come to your show. You're not going to get 50,000. You know, you're going to get your 2,000. So Still a good number. But people can watch it live, Yep. as Jed would know. He, he does all the live training. Yeah, he does. Jed, um, he's sitting here right now. I don't know what he's doing right now, but he's sitting in front of a laptop. He looks important enough. He, he's doing whatever he does. <laughs> and, and also we started the Vertical Events YouTube channel. Yep. And along with Dave and his... His, his YouTube channels, um, we've got a, a big reach. Like, take Singapore, for example. I was going to ask you about Singapore. Singapore we did this year for the first time in April. Um, it's always been a graveyard for ASX companies because they don't generally invest in ASX stocks. They're very risk-adverse in Singapore. But the battery mineral uh, emergence has given them a feeling that they need to know a little bit about that. So uh, we started the show up there. Went very well. That's a huge risk, too. So, so you you you're on the back of lithium and and that sort of the batteries uh, the battery space. So I'm just interested to know about when you sat down and said, mm, "Let's go back to Singapore." Yeah. Who, who twisted your arm, or did you just think, "No, nah, it's time." It was time, and, and and it's a risk. I mean, you've got to put a lot of 
upfront cash up to make it work. Yep. So you, you're risking your own money to make it work. Um, you got so plenty, Stuart. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I paid all of Jed. Oh no, oh, Jed. Hey, Jed came back with very cock a hoop about Singapore. Let me tell you right now. Never. I'm not so sure he worked up there, but anyway. We well, had the girlfriend with him. Um, Once bit twice shy, mate. You won't. You're doing that next time. <laughs> He'll learn. He'll learn. <laughs> so yeah, it's a big risk, though, it's isn't it? It's a risk, but and but why was happened, it successful? But what happened there was, um, yeah, the show went well. A lot of Asian investors came to it. A lot of Singaporean people came to it, and but the live streaming went very well. Yeah, but the YouTube channels for you know, a week or two afterwards went went ballistic, because obviously a lot of people in Asia. There's a lot of people in Asia, Ross. Apparently and, so, and. Um, and especially from China and Vietnam and those sort of places, the they've logged on to the YouTube channel and had had a good look at all the companies. So um, that quite that took us by surprise. Has there been a spike? With, has there been a spike from any some of those companies that have already been up there? Even a couple of months. Yeah. Do you keep an eye on yeah, we do. on that? And do you get good feedback? We do. And yeah. you get bad feedback? We get bad feedback. There's always people are always willing to give you bad feedback. They are. As, as, as you know in the media game. Um, <laughs> Can I ask you in regards to that feedback, how much do you take on board and what's the common, and I'm not saying RIU vertical events uh, have many uh, much pushback in regards to something that goes wrong, but what's one of the, the general complaints over the journey that you've had? Uh, the biggest complaint we have is that, you know, you pay us your money to be there and you've got your exhibition booth and you've got your presentation slot. The biggest complaint is how come I'm on day three? Or how come I'm on at four o'clock? Or not, you know, everyone can't be in the prime spot, so you have to you have to rotate them around. So we have a formula, a loose formula that if you sign up with us, you go day three on the first time, then you go day two on year two, then you go day one on year three, so you, and then on year four you, you miss out, and you start again, because we have a lot more demand than there are company and spaces to fill. So 100%. you can't have everybody in the right time slot. You just no. can't. And the other also is, say, oh, you say to me, Stu, I only had 100 people in my talk. And I go, yeah, but it's a three-day show. You've had 2,000 people go past your booth. It's not all about the 10-minute or 15-minute presentations. It's about the, you know, the whole experience. Funny you say that because we, we talk about the ASX market goss and, and the listenership of ours, and I have had so many people have said they've listened in, whether it be one or two or 10 minutes here or 10 minutes there, 30 minutes that's all the attention span they've got. They can do it driving to work or going to bed or sitting around, whatever it may be. So we're getting some wonderful feedback in regards to that. Do you Are you constantly evolving the business, even though you've been around more than 20 years? Yeah, absolutely. Even you in your space? And I, and I say that in, in the nicest possible way, Stu, but do you have people around you who are giving you suggestions yes. that you take on board? Yes, yes, yes we do. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, I've got my staff and um, I mentioned Jackson Crab. You probably know Crabby. Jacko from his footy yes. days. Yes. Um, you know, he's mid-40s now, so he's been with me for 10, 12, you know, 14 years, and he's he's now evolved. As I said to Jacko, mate, you can't get a game in the midfield at the start. You've got to earn your, your start in the back pocket and work your way forward. So now he's in the midfield and running the show, basically, um, making a lot of the decisions. I just sort of, you know, around the edge. You know, Great family, the Crab family. Very good family, the Crab family. Yeah. Um, yeah, very good sporting family. They are. Uh, and, and Jacko's very keen, and he's very, he's very keen to make sure that everybody gets a fair go, because obviously with our shows, you know, Singapore, Sydney, Explorers, Resurgence, you can't fit everyone into every show. Mm. So sometimes, 
you might only do one in three or two in three. So Jacko is always trying to manipulate that like a jigsaw puzzle, constantly talking to the companies, constantly you know informing them. Um, one of the feedbacks we get is that some other conference organisers don't do much in the way of, of of communication. You get your letter saying, "That's where you are. See you there." Whereas you know we talk to all the companies all the time. We're talking to Stuart McDonald, Vertical Events uh, Conference Businesses. So, so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pitch in regards to those who are listening. And I'm not too sure whether how, how many of the podcasts you've listened to over the last 16 or 17 weeks that we've been doing them, Stu, you're a busy man. But predominantly, most of the businesses that have been on, have they been involved in any of your conferences that we've had? Can you well, do a number? Well, on Monday night, just gone, I was at a Australia-India Chamber of Commerce dinner at the Opta Stadium. Um I have another company that's a for-hire company, and they hired our company to do their show. And at this dinner, I sat next to Bruce Malouche. Oh, yes. Right, yeah, he's yeah. right there. Yeah, so, Silica Sand. Silica Sand, man. So um, <laughs> Bruce and I, we spoke about you and spoke about the podcast. and He was uh, very good. At that stage, I didn't know that I was coming on, <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't do that. But uh, I hope no, he had nice words. No, he was very happy. Now, Bruce is one of those guys that he just chugs along, does his stuff, uh, a lot of approvals have to get in place. Yeah, and during that, yeah. during those times of approvals, you're sort of dormant. You can't do much. Yeah, it's really hard to activate your investor base. Well, you're talking about the former premier Mark McGowan and and the borders and the likes, and not getting heavy duty. He's relying on Roger Cook, and Roger Cook has got all the information about silica sand and the environment or the EPA and all that sort of stuff. So he's uh, he's now relying on the Premier to, to keep on board for Silica Sand. We learnt so much yeah. from Bruce Mill uh, last week. Um, let's talk about you. Uh, and I know you, um, you, 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 you we sort of touched on a bit of your style and, and, and the background and the like, but let's talk about what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning and you have to get your work hat on? What's the first thing you do work-related? Well, it's a bit embarrassing, Josh, because... <laughs> You know, through my training, I'm actually an accountant. Yeah, I, I don't tell that to everyone. My dad's a former accountant, the West Australian newspaper, yeah, Herald and Weekly Times, yeah. way back then. So my duties of you know, the first hour every day, I think I think my business. I think about running the business, not not the conference. You're doing dollars and cents. I'm doing dollars and cents. Ooh. I think about, you know, what I've got to do in the morning, my bank reconciliation. I, I still do those myself. I, I do the mail myself. Is that a non-trust thing or you just like to do it? No, I just like to do it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so you still, you revert back to your to your to your training and you revert back to what, what you do. Um, and I I try to get that out of the way by nine o'clock so I can spend the day with Jackson and the other team on on, on the business. Do you coffee? You're a coffee drinker? Yeah, I I'm a massive coffee drinker, Goss. I have one cup of Nescafe Blend 43. Straight out of the jar. Every morning. Straight well, you, out of you, the jar. Well, you would strike me as a Pablo type of guy when Pablo was a Remember oh, yeah, Pablo yeah, coffee? Pablo was a great coffee. And used to blow on the spoon and go everywhere. It was like dust. It wasn't. didn't have any grit in it. It was just... Poof. Well, Goss, growing up, um, I was brought up in Kalgoorlie. In fact, on a sheep station out of Kalgoorlie. So your morning, your morning ritual was to light the fire and then you had your toast on the fire. <laughs> There was no toasters, and you had your. Pablo. But did you have it in like a, a like a, a a toaster jaffle thing with the with the like the mesh, so it could toast through, or did you actually stick it on a stick? On a fork, fork, on a fork. Yeah, elongated fork on the. Because they used to have number, the little toaster number five on the on the wood stove. Yeah, because well, there's the the, the toast uh, thing that you have on the fire. You put the bread inside like yeah. a jaffle iron, but it's not actually, and it was see through, 
and you'd hold it over that and turn it, turn yeah. it, turn it, turn it. That was real toast. It and tasted you, good. And then you had your billy on top of the stove. Yep. Yep. Um, Look at us go. So amguri tea. Amguri tea. On, and sunshine milk. Now, that's I why it. I learned to have black tea because you can't condense sunshine milk. Condense, it's condensed milk, isn't it? Sunshine. No, it's powdered milk. Powdered milk, sorry, yeah. yeah. Bloody terrible. Yeah. But when the jar's empty, it makes a great billy. So, Gotcha. So when you're out of the station mustering your sheep or doing what you're doing, you build a little fire and that becomes your... Okay, so you're a Nescafe man. So is that fair to say you don't go to a cafe? You don't spend money at a cafe? Very rarely. Yeah, yeah. unless you're doing business. This one's a you know, ham and cheese toasted sandwich. Yeah, I and mean, you can do that at home for three but, bucks as um, well. Yeah, so I'm not a great coffee drinker. <laughs> okay, so you, so you go, you try and get to work and you, you work with Jackson and the crew. Um, do you have a work motto? Like if you if what you were to, we're going to white ball in our studio, if you were to walk in yeah. and say, what is what is your MO? Well, how, do you, how do you go about your business? Uh, work hard, play hard, but have fun. Yeah. And the only rule, I only have one rule. And that is when it's not gig time, when it's not event time, I don't want to see anyone in the office after four o'clock. Go home. Go home to your families. Um, and I'm very strict on that. Tell us about that side of things for you. Well, it's very important for your staff to have a family life. We've all got kids, go to school. I've done that, you know. We've all done that. Yep. I mean, Jed's still a kid himself over here, you know. Hey, he's almost finished school. <laughs> this is a bit of a part-time gig for him. <laughs> so... You have to have a functioning home life. Otherwise, you can't function at work. Simple as that. So that's one of the rules we have. Um, and because also we're market-driven to a large degree, so 8 o'clock's the start time because the market's open, 7 o'clock in summer. Um, but if you want time off, you, know, you must have a home life balance. So go home to your kids. When it's gig time, of course, it's all, all bets off. You're on site, you're doing you know, your stuff. Um, and Friday afternoon's another one. I often say to Jackson, just just go to the pub, network, you know, in, enjoy other people's companies. Mm. Obviously, I have the Squires Loft restaurant in Sydney. How long have you had that? Oh, a year and a half now. So were you uh, post-Link Robinson? Yes. Yes. And it, it, it all Post-COVID? Post-COVID. We started it in January last year, okay. so 18 months now. Of course, now. post-COVID, yeah. And that... All came about because Link, for whatever reason, wanted out, um, and we were there frequently. Me too. And we decided that well, Link's a good bloke, and he doesn't deserve. So, a few of the guys got together. A few of the brokers. I've got other partners, so a few of the brokers and finance guys are partners, and yeah, to them it's petty cash. They go to their ashtrays and <laughs> empty out some cash, and we go to Link. And would it be like, nice to like be like that? I'm sure Link's very grateful. And how yeah. is the restaurant going? Oh, it's going It's going fine. Yeah. It's um, going really, really well because of us and our broking backgrounds with all the, my partners and us. We've turned it into, into a mining hub. So Thursday lunch, Friday lunch, it's... Cranking. It's cranking. Yeah. And a lot of mining guys, they're all there eating their steaks, drinking their beer. Yeah. Um, so it's a really enjoyable pastime. Plus also you get to keep the old napkins because a lot of deals are done there. So you... Get the napkins and try and read them and, and try and work out what their deal was. <laughs> We're talking Squires Loft. For anyone who doesn't know where that is, it's in Subiaco Village down the bottom of Hay Street. Um, and my mother 
way back when it was first built, had a boutique. So in the little laneway between yourself and the village, yeah. there's a, you go there and you go out to the old wall next, yeah. which I think is now a child-minding centre, yeah, whatever it is. is. Yes. On the on the right-hand side, my mum had a little boutique there, a dress boutique, and it was a cash-only boutique. There was no I think bank card came back in, and I remember her counting the money. I'd go pick her up, and we were counting the money after school, and uh, that Subiaco village has had a, a couple of lives, but Squires Loft has certainly brought a, a resurgence there. So Squires Loft, if you're looking for amazing steak and ribs and the best of beers, that is the place to go and uh, Thanks, catch Josh. up. No, it, it is, and it's good. It's good in the mining game because yeah. it's relaxed. Everyone has a chat. Um, yeah, it's very cool. So Stuart McDonald Vertical Events is with us. Hey, Stu, so um, you talk about uh, the the crabs and the likes. What's your interest in sport? Do you have a footy team? Do you follow sport religiously? What are you into? Oh, well, obviously I follow, like my boys from the bush in Cavalry, um, when you go to school there, you play sport and you play footy and cricket and that's what you do. Yep. I played for railways in the under-10s and under-12s and under-14s and I was never any good. Um <laughs> and I played cricket and I was never any good. So I said, well, that, that's no good. So then when I was about 14, Dad said, why don't you come and play golf? Now, for those who are old enough to know, the Cavalry Golf Club and all the golf clubs at Cavalry were all dirt golf courses. Not just sand greens, but sand courses. There was not a blade of grass to be seen. Dirt and rocks. So it's quite a hard place to play golf. But um, And then I said to Dad, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. But Dad said, you can't use my clubs, you have to use Mum's. <laughs> and I said, well, Mum's left-handed. <laughs> so I started playing golf left-handed. And then when I got to 17 or 16 and a bit, Dad gave me his sticks. <sighs> so I turned to right hand and uh, managed to play okay. Yeah. Have you played the new course up there? What a great golf course it well, is now. Well, I haven't played the new oh, course, and I probably yeah. won't, because my memories are yeah, true. the old style and um, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's your memory... I played that old course so many times as a kid growing up, school holidays, yep. after school. And as you get old like we do, Goss, um, sometimes you have to have a medical procedure. And these, um, <laughs> what do they call them when you slide in and out of those? Yeah, you get a, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. MRI? Yeah, MRI. yeah well, the big MRI. When you get an MRI, you're yep. into, it's sort of all around you. Yeah. And you've got 20 minutes to think. So I get into one of them. Very claustrophobic. Very claustrophobic. So I close my eyes and think about the old Cavalry golf course, and okay. I go from the first tee to the eighteenth, and I, I try and I try and picture the the, old, the course because I, I knew it so well, and, um, uh, and I think of much different things to you when I've got twenty minutes on my own, Stu. But anyway, we'll keep that uh, between that's you and I. My sporting background was you know, yeah, not too much, but I follow the Fremantle Dockers. Um, Is it your year? Well, I don't it's think it's ever been our year, <laughs> and I'm not sure it's ever going to be our year. But you can always live in hope. Yeah, yeah. You're dining out on West Coast woes at the moment? No, well, no, because being a good Kalgoorlie boy, I lived across the road or just down the road from the Kemp family. Oh, yeah. The great Kemp family. Correct. Tommy and, you know, yeah, Gary. Wayne and yeah, Gary. Yeah, so yeah, Wayne yeah. was my age. Yep. Um, and then Snaggers, obviously, Gary, and then yep. and Tommy was the younger one. Great and family. Sandra. Yep. Sandra and I used to work together. Yep. In, what about Melissa? Melissa Kim. Oh, she was the younger one. Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, She's married a farmer now and doing yeah, great, great things in the bush. I mean, great family. So obviously with Tommy and um, and then one day back, or oh, 10 years ago now, oh, a bit longer, I'm down at Rivendell Winery in in the southwest, which I'm also part of, and I had this paddock. And Tommy's pop, you know, he's come around with a six-pack and we're in the middle of the paddock and Tommy says, what are you building an oval? Have a cricket match. I said, what? He said, I'll get all the Eagles players and 
Dockers players, and we had the surfers, and so we had a Super Six uh, match. So I built an oval, put a bloody pitch down, had this. You know, That's your idea. Yeah. Ah, well, along with Dean as well, with Tommy yeah. as well. So, just tell us a pitch for the for the listeners who are, as we talked about, whether they be small or mid and resources tech biotech. Pitch to them why they should get, jump in on the conferences because I'm sure there's plenty out there that don't know where to start, don't know how to go about it. Well, you start. I'll start at the top because it's like a waterfall. You got to. You know, the water goes over the edge at the top and makes its way down. So at the top, you've got to have the companies involved that that people want to see. So you've got to have a good suite of companies up front. And then off them, there are people who um, supply to the mining industry, like the drilling companies, the assay labs, you know, your, your technology companies. They want access to those companies. And then you've got the investors who want access to those companies. And then you've got the fund managers and brokers who want access to those companies. So it's all it's all about those companies. Yep. And then the rest follow. Um, but my pitch is, if you're an investor, if you're a retail investor, get in contact with us, come along. And the best way to invest in a stock is to talk to the boss, talk to the MD, he or she, exploration managers at their booth, and find out what they're doing, find out what their work, work programs are. Now, there's no good investing in a stock that's not going to do anything for the next 12 months because they're going to have regulatory hold-ups or whatever. So you need to you need to research those that are active. Um, so your appeal is is not just to the businesses who have never gone down this space. I'm sure plenty have and the majority have. But it's very much to, as you talk about, the investor and the shareholder that's going, oh, how do I get all this information one place at the same time? Um, yeah. And that is a tender conference. Yeah. And then you jump forward a bit. And you're sitting having lunch at Squires Loft and they're talking about, oh, I made a three-bagger on this, I made a four, <laughs> I, I lost on that one, should have, I should have bought that one and not that one. And those conversations happen all day. Every Love day. that, yeah. yeah. What's, your, what's, your, what's your piece to resistance? What, what's the most what little company that started out, you looked at the conferencing and you may have looked up and, oh, this, it's a struggle for this, that have developed into something. I'm sure there's plenty. You probably might not want to pinpoint one or put one up on a pedestal. But if there was one that you're so proud that they came down this journey with you, whether it be when you started all those years ago yeah. to now. Well, there were three that started with us when they were little. One was Independence, one was Western Areas, and one was Mincor. And they all grew into very big companies. And, of course, Independence has been taken over by IGO, and as has Western Areas. Mincor is now a Twiggy company. Um and what I enjoyed about them is they they stuck with us in our formative years as we grew, but as we grew, they didn't abandon us. They stuck with us. So up until two years ago, yeah, IGO is still a customer at, at the Fremantle Conference. So I enjoy those. Um, on the on the penny dreadfuls, there's always one that's floating around. There's always one that's going to go from two cents to ten cents. You just got to be in the know and, and work it out. I mean, West Perth's full of those sort of companies. Yeah, it is. Uh, when you're um, getting around at a conference, how busy are you? You talk about, okay, you go and you put your game face on, the whole staff do when you're, when you're doing an event uh, with vertical events. Just tell us in regards to what's the key component for you personally when the events have started? Well, the key component to running a good conference is the conference has to run on time. It must run on time. You know, if your lunch break's 12.45, it's got to be 12.45. It can't be 1.15 because you're backed up in the afternoon. So you're relying on all your staff 
and we have components of the audiovisual. We have you know, Jed and Dave doing the online. We have the MC who you rely on enormously to make sure you're very understated and a good MC. And if you know, if you're looking for a good MC, you know when it. Very. Oh, that's right. You've already got one already. Very understated. Yeah, MC. Well, you know, I'm always available. Um, so yeah, again, and but for you, it's all about relationships. You're it incredibly. Is, yeah. uh, everyone I've spoken to in regards to the lead up, and I did some. Some some lifting, heavy lifting over the last couple of days to to find out a bit more about you, Sue. And I didn't have to go too far with people just sort of saying he is one of the great relationships builders. And I think that's probably yeah. is that your strength? It's a fair comment. Yeah, it's a fair comment. I mean, you got to talk, you got to talk and listen. But listening is also a key component. And where does this space go in the future? How how how, how um, quickly how quickly do you have to evolve with the world that we're now living in regards to event space? Because you you've touched on something that a lot of people. And we have teams, and we have all stuff where, where people now longer they sit and look in front of a computer and they and they chat with their boss in Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane or overseas. Now it's all very well and good. So uh, football commentary is done now online. It's not so very few footy commentators or cricket commentators are actually at the venue. That's a dying breed. You are a firm believer that being at a venue, being at a conference, presenting at a conference is key to success. It's the only key to success. Being face-to-face, reading body language, talking, having a beer at the end of the day, um, that's, the, that's where you find out what's your trust. You know, do I trust this company? Well, I've met their staff, I like their staff. The other thing that we do is that we have to obviously run the conference. So we have a lot of interaction with the companies. They've got to fill their paperwork in and they can do all the things that we ask some of them do it very competently and very well. Some of them are bloody useless. <laughs> so on a personal basis, if they can't get our paperwork right, how in the hell can they run their own company? I don't, I don't invest in those stocks. Um, if someone's efficient with us, their chances are they're going to be efficient with somebody else. And I invest in those stocks. So we, I don't know about the time frame of this. I always talk about uh, how long, Jedley? Give me a rough guesstimate. How long have we been going? 38 minutes. 38. It's the longest. It's clearly the longest, and and that and it felt like it was twenty, because I can sit here and talk to you. You you're, uh, you provide incredible inspiration, incredible passion, um, and it is. I hate to say it, it is a dying art in any industry, and I've been involved in a couple of them. Uh, let me tell you, what you provide is quite remarkable, and you came with a, a reputation. I was looking forward to the chat, and I leave uh, more enhanced than ever. Stuart McDonald from Vertical Events. Stu, just uh, just pitch, just just pitch the company uh, exactly what the company does, and for those who are listening, uh, as investors or um, shareholders or businesses themselves, tell us what Vertical Events can do for them. In a nutshell, we bring people together. That's what we do, in a, in a nice, easy, relaxed environment, and we try and use our skills and our experience to put together a fleet of companies that we think the investors would be interested in seeing. And they come along, they have a good time, they get their sausage roll, uh, they get a beer at the end of the day, and they have a and if it's it's all about it's all about being relaxed. And that's what we try and that's what we try and do. So thanks for having me, Goss. It's been a pleasure. It has been. Oh, before you go, uh, tell us about T G. What's T G doing? Oh T G Metals. Well, T G Metals, I don't know how much time we got. Just go, just go, mate. It's your show. We started two years ago and the company was called Tethered Goat. Tethered Goat Pty Limited, and Tethered Goat was a company that Phil Crab had tucked in his drawer, and we found some assets, <laughs> and 
I was lucky enough to buy some assets off the great Matt Burney, your your Bulls and Bears man. Yes, yes. He's, he, he is a great man, Matt. And his his group wanted out. I bought them uh, through with my wife, and we bought these assets. We then went and saw Phil and Rick Crabb and said, with Jackson, and we all formed a partnership, and so the Tethered Goat came alive. Now, you couldn't float a company called Tethered Goat. The ASX didn't like that term. <laughs> so we called it TG for Tethered Goat. Tim Gossage. So TG is now on the markets. It's taken 14 months to get our approvals through the mines department. That's another story. We've got our approvals and we start drilling next week at oh. Lake Johnson in in, in you know, Southern Cross region. And so we're talking June 30. We're talking June 30. Financial year. Look at you go. So hey, timing's everything. If it's all about <laughs> it's all about the drilling. If the drilling finds nothing, TG goes nowhere. If the drilling finds something, it's release the goat up, up and away. That's another episode of ASX Market Goss. We love your feedback. Make a comment, like us, share us, tell us uh, about your colleagues, your counterparts or community. Just tell them that you've been listening and you like it and you, hopefully you love this episode as much as I did. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and RSS.com, whatever platform you're listening on, leave us a comment, rate us and give us your feedback. I'll keep an eye and an ear out for a, another episode. Until then, we'll keep digging for find more guests like Stuart McDonald from Vertical Events to chat about their journey. Stuart, once again, we appreciate your time. We could talk for ages. Uh, you're a great story. You're an inspiration. And I'm so glad we've sat and had this chat today. Thanks, Gosh. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of the material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other professional advice. ASX Market Goss and its employees are not financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by ASX Market Goss or any third party to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction.